0: And the rest of us open up to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. I'm going to need this this morning. up there? I can do freestyle if you want. It's going to work fine, but thanks. Thank you very much. All right. <coughs> Ephesians uh, verse, uh, sorry, Ephesians chapter five, verse twenty-one says, "Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ." Lord, you put things in your word that just strike at the hearts of men. And when I read this, Lord, surely our ways are not your ways. For we, I. We're a people who want to be number one, we want what we want, and we don't want to submit one to another. But Lord, you have, by your grace, you've saved us, and you've given us your Holy Spirit, and you now live within us. So we pray this morning that you not only live within us, but you live out through us. And so we submit to your Lordship that we might submit to one another this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. If you've been with us for the past several weeks, we've been enriched greatly by the Lord as we've been focusing on who we are in Christ Jesus and what He has done for us. Ephesians chapter 1 through 3, talking all about those great truths. Who you are in Christ. Do you know who you are in Christ? It's important that you know who you are in Christ. What He has done on your behalf. You have been chosen. You have been predestined for adoption. You have been forgiven. You have been redeemed. You've been given the plan. You've been given the Holy Spirit. You were once dead, chapter 2. Now you've been made alive in Christ. You've been created in Christ Jesus for good works. So he starts talking about all these things. Who you are, what he has done on your behalf. That is our identity. And then we see chapter 4, verse 1 And it switches from being seated, our position in Christ, to now we get up and we start walking, we live it out. And this is where Christianity gets messy. Because how many of you, when you're learning to walk, you just jumped up and all of a sudden you were sprinting? We're learning to walk. And that's what the walk of Christ is about. We're learning to live in Christ. And so chapter 4, verse 1 says, As a prisoner... For the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received, worthy of everything I just talked to you about. In chapters 1 through 3, Paul's saying, we are now called to walk according to the truth of who we are in Christ and what he has done. Seated firmly that now we're to live out that identity. We're to put off the old ways and to put on Christ Jesus. Amen? And so chapter 5, verse 1, working up to where we are now. It says, we're instructed to follow God's example, therefore as dearly loved children. You're now children of God. You're no longer Gentiles on the outside. You're brought into the family of God by grace, amen? amen? And we're to walk, verse two, in the way of love, how just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering with a sacrifice. So the way that Jesus loved us is now that how we are to love and to live out our lives towards one another. And so Paul He's going to take his time, and he's going to explain in all these different scenarios to all these different people with all these different backgrounds what that looks like. How many of you were once thieves? Raise your hand. i got to keep an eye on you. Okay, I'm just saying. <laughs> and he wants to take thieves and make them givers. He wants to take liars and make them truth tellers. People are angry and bitter. He wants to make them reconcilers. I mean, this is the process that the Lord does. And so he's speaking to these areas in our lives where we can glorify the Lord, live out our faith. We're called to walk in love like Jesus. So what does it mean to walk in love? And so there's no confusion about what God's love, and it is not. Paul tells us that the love we are to walk in is illustrated by Christ when he gave himself up for us. It's a sacrificial love. It's agape is the word. And it means a love that is for the benefit of someone else above your own. That's the kind of love we're to walk in. I like that. I want that to happen in my life more and more. And so God's love towards us was demonstrated by Jesus laying down his life. We just sang about it. We're to mimic Christ's example of love by us laying down our lives in a way that benefits others. This is what church is about. This is what the church is about. This is what the gathering of the body is for. This is why the Lord brought us together. That's why we're here, to be edified, built up in the Lord, and to then go and express that love towards one another, building each other up through our spiritual giftings and through the leading of the Holy Spirit. And that love is a testimony to those on the outside of the power of Christ. He's alive. He takes dead men and makes them alive. that's what the world needs to see more of. Amen? But that's what this church is about. That's what we're moving towards more and more. And this glorifies God. This displays God's glory to, to and through the body of Christ, which is the church. It declares the Lord Jesus to the world that he's alive and living in us and we're in him. And it's in this context that Paul... Is, is talking about putting on Christ, letting him live through us by walking out our love, laying down our lives. It's in this context that Paul begins and he says, now submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And he goes, well, how, what does that look like? And so he's going to lay out for us in the next several verses and even into chapter 6 our major relationships in life. Major relationships. How does this play out? How does this love work out? Well, he talks about wives and their relationships to husbands. Husbands, relationships to wives. Children to parents. Fathers to children. Slaves to masters. Masters to slaves. Or employers to employees. Employees to to masters, right? However you want to work that out, There, there's different words in the Greek. We'll get there next week but who we are in Christ must be lived out in the reality of our relationships if we are his children. It has to be lived out. And how many of you think that is the greatest complaint that we have with other people who claim to follow Christ? It's it's not lived out. It stays in, you know, we go to church, but we don't live out the life of Christ. And the Lord would have us glorify him by actually Doing that, by living it out. Our Father's love must flow through us to one another. It is the proof that we're His. It's the fruit. Amen? And the fruit of our relationship has to be displayed. And so Jesus said in John 13, 34, a new command I give to you, we read, read it at communion, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another, and by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus repeats himself a few times, and when Jesus is repeating himself, what is, it's kind of important. Actually, anything Jesus says is important, but you know what I'm saying. He's helping us along. Love one another as I have loved you. Love each other. This is a command I give you. Love one another. He's telling us, Love one another. So it is through our love for one another that the world around us sees Christ. Later in John 15, Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. But I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And my command is this, that love each other as I have loved you. Greater has no, the love as no one than this, that you lay down your life for your friend. You are my friends if you do what I command you, Jesus says. So then in verse 17, he says, this is my command. Love each other. He's repeating himself over and over and over and over. Very important teaching within the church. We're going to talk about this probably at the end of January. But so Jesus' example of love for us is our example uh, of our love for one another. And this is how it plays out in the lives of the major ways of, Um, our major relationships, and it's through, this first one he's talking about is marriage, and so wives, verse 22, submit yourselves to your own husband as you do the Lord. If you notice, my wife is conveniently 1,200 miles away in San Diego this morning. I have been waiting to preach this to her indirectly, but, you know, because you can't use that at home very well, but I'm like, wives, submit to your husbands, Christian, No, just kidding. We were chatting about it on the phone. She's like, yeah, I saw that coming up. She's laughing. But needless to say, this is this is highly controversial verse. I know it is. And, and I think for several reasons, but just two off the top of my head, is that men have the tendency to see this verse and like it so much from a carnal perspective. and They take it and they say to their wives, it says right here, God told you to submit to me. How's that set well with you? Not so, good. Not so good, and there are reasons for that. But that's a coming from a strictly a, a fleshy guy situation. Quoting that verse to my wife, I could see why she would cringe. I could see why any woman would would cringe. It's a total perversion of, of the command, the intent behind it. But on the other hand, I've seen this command totally dismissed by women as archaic and chauvinistic, written by men, oppressive, and what have you. And when they do that, you miss out totally on the blessing that God has given you in this. Then I've seen the daughters of God live this out on the power and love of Christ, seen it here. I'm married to one by God's grace. It is a, something to behold. It is amazing to see Christ in the life of a woman, a submitted wife. What an incredible picture of the long suffering of Jesus Christ. Amen? You know, uh, for a wife to glorify God in marriage, this command from the Lord must be worked out in her life. It must be worked out. We're going to get into a little bit more detail, so don't. I know I'm speaking in generalities. I know there are exceptions. I know there are things. I'm not talking about, you know, hand, staying under someone who's beating you and these things. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Christian marriage, okay? But for a wife to glorify God in marriage, this command from the Lord must be worked out in her life. The very fact that Paul is stating this to wives in the church says that there's a tendency for wives to submit not to submit, right? That, that's, what he's, that's what he's dealing with. He's saying that's the old way. The old way is to not submit. The new way is, in Christ, is to submit. And the word submit is, that, is a military word. It means to fall in rank. It means to fall in rank. Knowing your place within the relationship. And so, even when that comes off my mouth, it sounds wrong, right? Because our world has twisted it. But knowing your God-ordained God-sanctioned, God-blessed place within your relationship, that functioning outside of that, you're gonna lose everything that God has designed you to be and to have and experience and to behold of him. As if submission is a horrible thing. You know that word there, that word submit, is there's a different idea as I read, First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 4, where he says, and we urge you, brothers and sisters, and warn those who are idle and disruptive. One thing that Paul was constantly seeing is that we'd be, we'd be unified in Christ Jesus, we'd be functioning towards one another. And that word idle, disruptive, is a different Greek word, but it means those who are out of rank and out of file. It kind of held the same idea. And so he'd say, warn those who are in the church who are out of rank or out of file, who are causing disunity within the body. And Paul here is doing the opposite. He's saying, hey, wife, be in unity, be in rank with what I've called you to be and, and, and conform to Jesus Christ in your relationship with your husband. In the context, we're learning to walk in love. The Lord is teaching us to respond to the lordship of Christ. Put off no old ways and now put on Christ. Wives, resist the world's way of an independent spirit and submit. Harmonize, fall in rank with your husband. Husbands are to love their wives, which tells us what? Men's tendency is to be unloving. We'll talk about that. Don't worry about it, ladies. Look at there. You know I'm not going to hold back. But the key to living out these verses, ladies, which is love, laying down your life for your husband, the key to this verse is in the first verse, verse 22 there. Wives, submit to your own husbands. How? As you do to the Lord. Is that squared away? Because if that's not squared away, it's near impossible to be submitted to an imperfect husband. See that? So Paul's laying out these principles. We'll quickly notice that you're to submit to whose husband? Your own husband. Make that clear. God has parameters on that authority. I don't tell your wife what to do and what not to do. Amen? I can instruct in the Lord, but I go to the husband. And any of you have had situations that I usually, we usually as an eldership, we go and speak to the husband. A wife has a problem with us, we go to the husband and we talk to the husband and say, what's going on there? Now we've, we fall short on some things, but in general, that's we, we respect that. Lordship and head. I know there's situations where things need to be delicate. Don't, this is, I'm speaking broadly here, okay? But it's, Not someone else's, it's it's your wife, uh, your husband. And this is a unique relationship. But the key to actually living this out, being submitted, is first to the Lord. Submit yourselves to your own husband as you do to the Lord. So the first question is, wives, are you submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Are you submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Is he your Lord? Have you submitted to his authority over your life? Are you abiding with him? Do you love him? Do you know him deeply? Do you know his love for you? Do you know his word? Do you live your life for him? Is your heart and life submitted to the Lord? As Peter says in 1 Peter uh, 3, I think he says, this is in your behavior, your purity, your reverence, your inward beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Is, is all that laid out before the Lord? Are you submitted to the Lord in those things? Are you submitted to the Lord Jesus in your mind, your body, your soul, your strength? Are you totally given over to Him? Obviously, as we're we're, we're a work in progress, correct? Now I know some of us are single or divorced or whatever or whatever it is. As we're going through this, you know how to pray for the married people in the church, Amen. You know how to look, see what God would do in His plan for the church. He wants us to grow in these things. So I apologize this morning if it's not speaking directly to your situation, but you need to pray for us because we can see this is a tall order. And the first thing we do is we go, oh, "Why? You know, why isn't she submitted to the Lord? Just submit to the. I mean, submit to your husband." Well, she submitted to the Lord first. Is that relationship healthy? Is that going on? And that's what we have to ask. We have to pray for, and so. Pray for me that I love my wife. How? How Christ loved the church. I better be looking at him as to the example. If I'm not looking towards him, if I'm not in relationship with him, if I'm not loving him, if I'm not connected to the vine, I certainly am not going to love Christine the way that God has called me and commanded me to do. It's going to be so much harder for her to submit to evil Matt. You know what I mean? Yes, you do. So are we squared away? Ladies, are you squared away with Jesus who is perfect? If you're single now, be squared away to the Lordship of Jesus because you're going to have a heck of a time with Mr. Imperfect. But in the same way, you are submitted to the Lord. Submit to your husband. So once you are lovingly submitted to Jesus, then submit to your husband. It's going to be prosperous in this context and it's going to be proper. Because you submit to your husband because you're submitted to Jesus. You see, the reason why you submit to your husband is because you are submitted to the lordship of Jesus who calls you to submit to your husband. You see that? That's where it gets squared away. Men, we have no excuses for being loving if we're under the lordship of Jesus Christ, do we? Zero. We respond to the spirit in our lives. But you see, Jesus, he always gives us practical application for our declared love for him. You say that you love me. Well, it needs to be worked out in your life, right? Women, this is how we're married. This is how God wants you to work out that love for the Lord to your husband. This is the practical application of that relationship with him. Men, same thing. We'll get to you, us, in a minute. So Peter... He says, Peter, do you love me? And he says it three times to him, and we know the story behind that. And what does he tell him each time? To tend my sheep, to feed my sheep, and to care for my sheep. He tells him, if you love me, then this can be worked out in your love for other people. Amen? We see in the parables, uh, I think in, was it, Luke, or uh, Matthew 18, and, and Luke somewhere, great. My mind went spaced. But we see the parable of the unjust, or the unmerciful servant. He had a debt that was beyond anything he could replay, and he begged the Lord, be merciful to me, and he was merciful to me. He forgave his debt, and then he went out and what? He grabbed the person who owed him money and shook him down. He said, you give me that money. Did he show the mercy that was given him to the, the servant? No, he wasn't. When the king found out, he took him, he put he and his whole family in jail and said, you're you're going to be in, just going to be in here until you pay it back. He couldn't pay it back. It says, So the Lord will treat you, due to you, who are not merciful to each other. And so the things that God has given us were to give to each other. It has to be played out that way. That is what it is to be a Christian, to reflect, to glorify God. So love one another. So I have loved you. You must love one another. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. This is love in action. It's a direct result of your submitted heart to the Lord Jesus. So do you love Jesus are you submitted to Jesus? The Lord would have you submit to your husband. Verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is head of the church, his body of which he is Savior. God has ordained that in the relationship between husbands, wives, there are some the, the male is to lead and the woman is to follow. How many of you like how that sits? How I even feel uncomfortable saying this, right? Because of the culture that surrounds me, but it is his truth. The guy is to be the leader and the and the woman is to be the follower, the complimenter, so to speak. In the picture, uh, if, even if you kind of go off and you look within the relationship of the Trinity, we go, oh well, that's just archaic. Look, look at the relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. The Father has the authority. The Son does what the Father says, and the Spirit testifies of the Son. Yet, they are equally God. And I love discussing this with certain people who deny that Jesus is God. I say, so is it possible to be equal and yet have different roles within a relationship? Yes, it is. It absolutely is, and so I'll talk to a husband and wife who are telling me that Jesus is not God, and I said, so basically you're telling me that your wife is less than you. She's somehow inferior because she is submitted to you, as you know the Bible says. Well, no, not really. I'm just saying. No, it's not true. There's roles within that complement one one another, and the bigger picture is that we're painting a picture that we'll get to in just a minute. We're painting a picture that glorifies the Lord through our relationships to one another. The very essence of the Trinity is displayed in marriage. It's a reflection. Marriage is a reflection of that relationship. The Father has the authority. The Son does the will of the Father. The Spirit testifies of the Son, yet the Scripture declares each to be fully God. And so within the relationship between a husband and wife the husband is the, is the leader, he has the authority, the buck stops with him. And to further illustrate the relationship a wife has with her husband, Paul gives two illustrations found here in verse 23-24. You see why I'm behind this big heavy pulpit. Verse 23 says, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is safe." Uh, Savior. And so, what if your body decided to do something totally different than your mind told you to do? How's that looking? It's called disease, it's called infirmary, it's called some things that don't work. We have marriages that are lame for other reasons. We'll get to about the guy in, in a bit. We might run out of time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I hear you, brother. But the body's beauty is that it is unified with the head. Is it not? The amazing things that athletes can do. I mean, you just look at people jumping across this room. Like, what in the world? Or, you know, you watch gymnastics or you watch just, just amazing stuff. And just the ability to be harmonized in expression. Music, I mean, Larry up here playing his guitar, I'm going, man, I wish my body would do what my mind tells me, it just doesn't do it. Not there. There's a disconnect. So this is the picture that Paul gives first, is that the guy is the head and the woman is the expression of that. This is how we are with the, with, with the Lord. We are the bride of Christ. We're the body of Christ and he is the head. He's the one who directs us and we move according to his will. We are the living expression of Jesus Christ. Right? And how many of you know that when you're operating outside of that, it's miserable? It's misery. But you, when you're harmonized with Jesus, man, man, all your needs are met. Your heart is on fire. You're full of love. You're impacting people. I mean, and it's just freedom that flows within that relationship. But when I try to be the head and put Jesus in the back seat, it all falls apart. And so he illustrates that in verse 23. And then the second illustration in verse 24 is that the is that of the church submission to the lordship of Jesus. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. The church is submitted to Jesus in everything. This is the purpose of the church, to glorify God, to do all that he has said. Jesus is our leader. We live our lives to do his will like a body connected to the head. The degree to which the wife is submitted to her husband is the same degree to which the church submits to Christ in everything. And I looked that word up in the Greek to let you guys get an out. That word everything in Greek, it actually means everything. <laughs> Doesn't matter how you cut it. I know the questions are popping up. We'll get there, right? guys are all, yay. All right, let's move on. Chapter six, verse one. (laughs) Children, obey your parents. (coughs) Ladies, you had three verses, we have nine. What do you think that is, why that is? You're like, oh yeah, you're going to give it to them. (laughs) Yeah. Let's just read them. 25 through 33, and we'll go back. Husband, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the, by the washing of the water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. In that same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and they care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. And for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must Love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. The Lord Jesus, through Paul, charges husbands to love their wives like Jesus loved the church. And Now tell me if that is not the highest calling. You want authority, you want responsibility. Here's your responsibility to die daily. To live sacrificially for her. To, sh- to let the love of God flow through you to her. And how many of you guys are just going, I don't know if I can do that? I fall so short. I am. So I can imagine the lady is going, man, I do not want to fall, submit to a guy who's a punk. Why would you? But you see, God's design is that you're to submit to the Lord Jesus. And, guys, we've got to do our part. We've got to be submitted to the Lord Jesus in our hearts and love like this, not as the world says. And love them deeply. And let me tell you, when you have a husband who is loving their wives and a wife who is submitted to the husband, I tell you what, you have a glorious marriage and an amazing picture of the relationship between Christ and the church. That's what he's building at. But when you do not, you have a devastating testimony. The Lord Jesus is charging the guys. Husbands, love your wives. This is the new life. This is the new life. This is a husband's response to the lordship of Christ over his life. This is the main way we are demonstrating our love for God. We say we love God, men. It has to be demonstrated in Christ-like love to our wives. It must be. Amen? 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 Amen. All right. The problem is that men do not possess this love apart from Christ. And this is what our wives dread. Paul, he's writing to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter chapter 3, Pastor Timothy, and he gives him a pretty disheartening picture of the lack of love in men's lives that he's going to experience all around him. He says, but know this, that in the last days and perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, blasphemers, and from such people turn away. For this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And he goes on, but you have not been taught that way. Men have all sorts of evil going on in our hearts. Women, you should be scared because this list is not exhaustive by any means. And every guy knows it. But this is the glorious thing. God saves men like this with hearts like that and actions like that. That's the business he's in. He's into resurrecting. He's into making dead men alive. Amen? Amen. He's into taking liars and making them truth sayers. He's into taking angry men and making them kind and patient and, and reconciling men by the grace of God. He's taking the sexually immoral and bringing them into the right type of relationship with their husband or their wife. But he's taking men who are broken, backbiters, whatever you want to say, selfish, loving and pleasure, self-centered men, and filling them with Jesus Christ. And now they become, like Jesus, full of love. Amen? That is what our wives long for. Love of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 4 through 8, love is patient. Put your name in your husband. Matt is patient. Matt is kind. He does not envy. He does not boast. He is not proud. Boy, I'm just going, great. That's what the Lord wants to do in us, guys. He does not dishonor others. He's not self-seeking. He's not easily angered. He keeps no record of wrongs. Love, or Matt, does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. He always protects. He always trusts. He always hopes. He always perseveres. And he never fails. That is what the Lord Jesus is to us. And that is what we by the grace of God, filled with the Spirit of God, are to be to our wives. By the way, also, to everybody else in the body, amen? But we're talking about this relationship. This is the Spirit of God in the heart of a man. Man, this is laying down your life for your wife. This is what she needs, Jesus, in and through us. And that happens as we are connected to the vine of Jesus Christ, as we are in healthy relationship with the Lord, as we are loving him and in his word and his word is in us and we are obediently walking in relationship with him, this happens. This happens in our lives, in our marriages. Amen? So you're looking at this giant Himalayan mountain going, oh my gosh. Look to Jesus. Cling to him with everything. Get up early in the morning, whatever you gotta do, make him first and the best in your life. Love him deeply. Hold on to him with everything. Put his word before your face. Turn off the other things. Let it flow. Be transformed. This is what your wives need, this is what they're designed for. Who doesn't want to submit to that? I want to. Amen? And Jesus is the example that Paul gives here. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Husbands, we are commanded by the Lord to lay down our lives, right? This includes up everything, up to literally dying for her. You know, we often go, oh man, if it's a guy busted in this room, I would jump for my wife and take a bullet. We go, yeah, right? Any guys think that stuff? most likely. You know you do. You're a guy. But the problem is dying every day. Laying your life down every day for her. Doing what is best for her. Do you have a sacrificial relationship with your wife? Are you laying down things that are important to you so she could have something that is best? Is that the kind of relationship you have with your wife? Or is everything about you and your ambitions, your dreams, your schedule, whatever you want to do because you're the guy? Just me struggling with that. You know, you find... And even, even, even the, in the things that are good. You know, I was with John. I came up to John and I said, John, you know, I, it's obviously the Lord wants me to be able to teach. But I got a problem. You want me to teach on a Friday? Well, Friday's time with my wife. I got to talk to my wife and I went and talked to my wife and she kind of just gave me the, hmm mm, going to mess everything up here if that happens. My wife submits to me. I have two options. This is the way it is, or let's see what the Lord can do. <laughs> do I listen to her? Do I live sacred? Am I willing to maneuver? So I went back to John and the cool testimony was he said, Oh, try on Mondays. And I'm like, Awesome. Go hang out with a uh, brother on Tuesday morning who's teaching Monday and Tuesdays. And he said, Oh, I'm so thankful you're coming in for me on, on teaching for me on Mondays. I said, Why is that? He's like, that's my wife's day off. Tell me God is not at work. Tell me loving your wife. I mean, that's just one little example, but are we living sacrificially? I mean, God will work things out. We don't need to be headstrong and and manipulative. We can just trust the Lord in things and pray through things and talk through things. And by the way, I mean, how many of us guys are just so blessed by our wives and the counsel they give and the wisdom and the patience and the grace. I see the Lord working through Christine so much. I listen when she speaks. She's a woman of God. She's in the word of God. She loves people. Does she have faults? Of course, and I, will, I have a list of those here we're going to go into. No. I'm not going to keep the record. I just wanted to, I'm just kidding. but why did Jesus love and give himself up for her? Verse 26, in closing here. To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of the water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. This is how Christ loved the church and similarly how husbands are to love their wives. First, just these things laid out. Christ made us holy. He set us apart. The idea is that picture of, of, of something that is not to be used for anything else is specifically for him. We are his. We're not the world's. We're, not, we're his. We've been pulled out, set aside. We're precious in his eyes. We're holy. Saints. Another way of saying it. Your bride is not anybody else's. She's yours. She's holy. She's set apart for you. What For what purpose? For you to love her cleanse her. Jesus cleansed us. How does he do that? How many of you know your husband or wife is not perfect? The body of Christ is not perfect. Hang around here a little bit. You're going to find out. But how does the Lord deal with that? He washes us with the word. He puts us in his word and his truth. And we get transformed in those things that do not glorify him. We learn to put off And we start putting on Christ. And this is sanctification. This is a process until we are actually perfect in his presence when he comes and gets us, his bride. We're going to be done. But until that time, we're being washed in the water of the word. That is what we're doing here. We're washing in the water of the word, changing our minds about how we think about marriage, about submission, about loving your wives. We're we're saying world's ways, or my own ways, or my mom's and dad's ways, whatever, is gonna be subject to what God says. As we know we got a whole bunch of different backgrounds, right? We all conform to what he says. And this is what he says. Love your wives deeply, and this is how you're, to love her is to by clean your, she's holy, she's set apart, just as I may, uh, set you apart, and cleanse her with the water or the washing of the word. Man, we have a spiritual responsibility. We are the spiritual head of our, of our homes. Our wives should not be going Gosh, I want to go to church this morning. Will you please go to church with me? Will you please pray? Will you please worship? Will you please... We take the spiritual mantle, and I don't know about you, but I feel embarrassed when I haven't been doing those things, even as a pastor, right? Okay, confession time. I am human too. We take the spiritual... We just jump in because that's what God has called us to do. Whether we feel equipped or not, we start moving, and God will... Give us what we need as we go. There's so much there. But we're responsible. And that means we need to know the word. We need to be in men of prayer. We need to be abiding in Christ in his love first and hearing from him and, and asking him, what's going on in my own heart before I go messing with my bride? Take out the planks of my own eyes so I can see her clearly and minister to her and love her. Otherwise, it's going to come out. I might say the right things but it's going to be the wrong heart. Maybe struggle with that. Yeah. Skip. See, I got a lot on the guys. Okay, so. But the next is Jesus will pre- present us to him as as his return at his return as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless, Jesus is coming back to get us. Did you know that? And to take us to be with him and we are to we are to be a bride who is set apart for him and cleansed and from and holy, set apart from the world. We're to keep this in mind, Jesus is coming back for us and our wives, by the way, right? And we're to love them and care for them until he returns to take us home. But another interesting point is the husband is to present the wife to himself. He's to cleanse her, he's to minister to her and love her and all those things. You get what you put into your wife, guys. Who are you presenting to yourself? You're selfish and all these types of things. You are going to get a woman who has got some serious blemishes. We don't want that. We want to love our wives. We want to minister to them. And I'm not talking about, we're all, we're all imperfect. I've already talked about this. We're all going to have things the Lord's working on. But there are things that we do not do and should do and things we, should, we do and do not do because we're not submitted to the Lord. We're not loving our wives and, and we will reap that in our relationships. Did you know that? You know, just because you're Christian doesn't mean you're going to hang out forever. You've got to be connected to Jesus, the author of life. You've got to do it his way. And I know all these peripheral problems come up. Well, he doesn't and she doesn't and why don't? How are you doing with the Lord? That's squared away. How, does, how are you loving your wife? People hate this in counseling. But that's exactly what needs to be addressed, husbands and wives. This is what I do. I do. That's why I don't have many return people. It's hard, I know. Sorry. You're gonna so love your wives, guys. And because we're thick headed, what do you mean love your wives? Even though he was just talking about it. Verse 28, in the same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body. He's just speaking in generalities here. But they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of His body. Hey, you know, hey guys, do you, do you love yourselves? I don't think you have a problem with loving yourself. We're obsessed with ourselves. When you we go ahead and take a church picture, chink, and I go post it on the wall in the hallway. Who's who are you looking for? Your wife? I'm looking for me, and and oh, look at me, and if I'm good in that picture, then it's a great picture. If not, man, what a horrible picture. Because I love me. That's the name of this message. I'm no, just kidding. We wake up in the morning, we shower, we eat, we brush our teeth, we comb our hair, we take care of ourselves, we plan our day, we think things through, right? And how is this going to be- benefit me, and what do I want to eat, what do I want to drink, Oh, I like my coffee this way? The way you love yourself, he's just being very simple with guys. The way you take care of yourself, take care of your wife. Think about her, what she wants to eat, what she wants to do, what she wants to do with her hair. We're not, whatever. You know, I mean, love her, practically, and, and also in the word, and all these other things, right? Take care of her like you take care of yourself, because actually when you do that, you're actually taking care of yourself, because what he goes into is you're actually one. You're actually one. It is so much easier for the body to do what the head is saying if the body is loved and taken care of. What if you didn't brush your teeth for a year? I'm just saying. Didn't shower for a couple weeks. Constantly rammed your, your arm against a wall. Every day, just smacked it as hard as you could on the corner. Tell me how the body is going to be responding to what the head wants. It just, there's going to be problems. How do you expect your bride to be submitted when she's not loved? I expect her to submit to the Lord, but do I want her to do that out of sheer grit? Is that what we want out of our wives? They're submitting because they have to? Guys, you know what you want. You want their hearts, you want all of them. They respond to love. They respond to love. That's the way God designed our wives to respond to love. So Paul speaks really basically there. And I found out when I'm disconnected with Jesus and I'm not in the word, so his word's not in me and I'm not praying and I'm not obeying, I'm just not abiding in Jesus. When I'm finding these things are not happening in my life, when I'm not connected with Jesus, I do not love Christine. And she has a harder time submitting to me because I'm not hearing from him. Now there's situations, there's things, you know, but in general, that's what, that's what goes on. But when I'm loving the Lord and I'm putting her needs above mine, her concerns are my concerns when we're praying together, when we're talking about the Lord, when we're seeking Him, when we're worshiping and so on, making decisions together. When that's happening, she's not struggling at all like when I'm not. She's submitting to me. She'll even go to Walla Walla with me. It's hard. God has to work those things out in her, right? I mean, She'll go anywhere with me. She'll do anything. She trusts me because she knows Jesus. And she, when she sees Jesus in me. That's who she trusts. And that's who wives want to see. See him leading through me and living through me and loving through me. But that's what the Lord's aiming at here. Submitting to one another. Last, verse 31 For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and to be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. There's to be a severing between our parental relationships and there's to be a cleaving to our wives. That's the way God designed it. God designed boys and girls to be connected to their parents until they're given off into a new relationship. I believe we're supposed to be under authority and under relationship always. They just, that's the way it is. Guys, you hand off your little girls to a man, you're, you are severing that responsibility, and he is now number one. He's the one that's to take care of her, and of course you set him straight when he's not, right? Same way. The nurturing that happens for a mother gets transitioned in a different way to a wife. But that's to be severed, and they're to leave and cling, and it's incumbent upon parents to, say, to, to draw the line. You need the Lord's wisdom in that. But we, as husband and wife, are now a picture, a profound mystery. We're one flesh. We're welded together. And this is why marriage is not between a man and a man and a woman and a woman. This is because marriage is between a man and a woman by God's design because it shows the picture between Christ and the church. And that's what your marriage is for. To show relationship between the Christ and the church. That's why God designed it. You are a testimony. You're a testimony of that. So this is a profound mystery. Christian marriage is that living illustration of love between Christ and his bride. They are one. She lives to respond to him, and he dies so that she might live. Amen? However, each one of you should also Love his wife as he loves the church. And the wife must respect her husband. So love and respect. Husband's love, not lording. Wife, respect, not resenting. This is our witness to the world. Amen, let's pray. Father, this is a long message and I just want to thank you so much for teaching us in this way. Lord, can we submit to your lordship in this? We choose to, Father, by by faith when we see the gap of who we are and what is required Lord there's only one person I know who can live that out through us and that is you so live it out in our marriages and I pray that by your spirit where there's pride where there's resentment where there's unlovingness in the hearts and the marriages within your church you would graciously restore us to a spirit-led, spirit-filled relationship. Breathe hope. You are able and willing to do it all. Help us to die to ourselves that you might live in our marriages. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you so much for sticking around.